This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome to the Good News Ride Home for Thursday, June 4th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Confirmed case numbers continue to rise around the world as places that were previously spared are now the sites of major outbreaks. How do libraries disinfect books? Isaac Newton's little-known cure for the plague? New synthetic red blood cells that can act as a mechanism for therapeutic drug delivery? And Big Bird's upcoming CNN Town Hall. While it may seem like the threat of coronavirus is decreasing for those of us who live in places that were hit earlier on, the number of cases worldwide are actually rising faster than ever, with over 100,000 confirmed cases reported each day. Quoting the New York Times, Twice as many countries have reported a rise in new cases over the past two weeks as have reported declines, according to a New York Times database. On May 30th, more new cases were reported in a single day worldwide than ever before, 134,064. The increase has been driven by emerging hotspots in Latin America, Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. Overall, there have been more than 6.3 million reported cases worldwide and more than 380,000 known deaths. More than a quarter of all known deaths have been in the United States, but the geography of the pandemic is changing quickly. End quote. The death toll in Brazil has passed 30,000, with cases surpassing half a million. Despite that, businesses have begun reopening in major cities, including hard-hit Rio de Janeiro. Confirmed case numbers are also rising sharply in Peru, Egypt, South Africa, and Bangladesh, where last month's cyclone displaced millions of people who had been in lockdown. Bangladesh also reported the first death in a Rohingya refugee camp last week, further raising concerns about the tight quarters in the refugee camps. Israel's parliament has been suspended today after a lawmaker tested positive for COVID-19. Germany has approved a 130 billion euro stimulus plan, which will include payments of 300 euros per child, decreased tax on daily items, and reduced charges for electricity. Quoting the Times, the plan also includes 5.3 billion euros for the social security system, 10 billion euros to help municipalities cover housing and other costs, and 1.9 billion euros for cultural institutions and nonprofits. End quote. The NBA's team owners are voting on a plan to resume the season today. Quoting again, The NBA plan calls for bringing back 22 of the league's 30 teams and stationing them all at Walt Disney World in Florida, where they would each play eight games to decide a 16-team playoff field. Fans would not be present. End quote. Giving further credence to the idea that herd immunity is perhaps a bit too idealistic, Scott Gottlieb shared some research on Twitter showing the percentage of various cities and countries' populations that have tested positive for COVID-19 antibodies, based on screening of representative samples. New York City tops them all at 19%, but most major cities reporting such research are closer to 6%, or as low as one8 
On a national scale, most nations that have reported such data are at 5%. Even when you look at an extreme example, such as New York City, at 19%, that's still 81% of the population who hasn't had COVID-19. For herd immunity to be effective, we need to see about 60-70% to of a population have antibodies to the disease. If you want to see the charts yourself and check out the studies behind each of them, link is in the show notes. As more and more places begin phased reopenings this summer, we'll be hearing a lot about various innovations in disease prevention and sanitation protocols. And one thing that has me stumped is books. How do you disinfect a book? I mean, even if you don't care about damaging the outside cover, how do you make sure every single page is disinfected? Someone wrote into Smithsonian Magazine recently with just this question, and the answer, quoting Smithsonian, The practice of fumigation was used in the late 19th and early 20th centuries when book borrowing was seen as a possible disease vector. Today, collections use non-chemical methods, like freezing, to treat mold and insect infestations. The observation that the coronavirus can survive on paper and cardboard for up to one day is leading libraries to disinfect non-porous surfaces and quarantine recently circulated materials for 24 hours, says Vanessa Haight-Smith, the head of the Smithsonian Library's Preservation Services Department, end quote. The priority of public health is at odds with preservation practices, much to the frustration of many conservators. In a document circulated by the American Library Association and published by the Northeast Document Conservation Center, they advised, quote, Unfortunately, the use of liquid disinfectants is harmful to the books and is not recommended. UV ray exposure as a means of sterilization is also not recommended. Not only are UV rays harmful to the books, but in correspondence on the Preservation Administrator's Interest Group Listserv, the chair of the American Institute for Conservation Health and Safety Committee has indicated that 40 minutes of exposure at high doses is required to kill bacteria using UV rays, and this will not disinfect places that the UV rays miss during exposure. End quote. Places the rays may miss, like the pages inside of a book. So instead, the Northeast Document Conservation Center confirms that a 24-72 to hour quarantine is the safest and most effective way to disinfect books. Based on the studies showing that the disease can live on cardboard for up to 24 hours and plastics for up to 72. It advises that multimedia materials and others cased in plastic therefore be given the longer 72 hour quarantine. I actually just got an email from my local library this morning about their reopening plans, and it said, quote, In accordance with the latest guidance, all return materials will be set aside or quarantined for a period of time based on national standards before they are put back into circulation, end quote. So it's definitely a new practice being put in place alongside things like curbside pickups and returns that many libraries have been implementing in lieu of allowing people to browse the shelves. One thing that I would say... If you're one of those people who licks your finger before turning a page, maybe this is a good time to suspend that habit, at least on used or rented books. Many universities will be keeping their campuses closed this fall. Harvard Law will be totally online for fall of 2020 and apparently not reduce their tuition, although that is another story. And while this may seem drastic, this kind of move is not unprecedented. 
Trinity College in Cambridge, like many other institutions, shut its doors due to the bubonic plague a number of times, but specifically when it closed in 1665 and 1666, a promising young student by the name of Isaac Newton used the time to germinate on an amazing discovery. No, I am not talking about his work on calculus or optics or the theory of gravity, although he worked on all of those things while quarantining with his parents in the countryside. No, Newton was also working on something that could save the rest of humanity, a cure to the bubonic plague. While in quarantine, he became fascinated with the disease, and upon returning to Cambridge in 1667, he got his hands on a copy of Jan Baptist von Helmont's book, De Pest. His unpublished notes inspired by the reading contain solid observations on social distancing, like, quote, places infected with the plague are to be avoided, but his notes also include the claim that lozenges made of toad vomit could both draw out and drive away the plague. Quoting all that's interesting's excerpt from his notes, Newton claimed that the best way to cure the plague was to suspend a toad by the legs in a chimney for three days, collect its vomit, with various insects in it onto a dish of yellow wax, and then to combine powdered toad with its excretions in order to make lozenges that could be worn about the affected area and banish the contagion, end quote. No word on if Newton ever tried this himself, although as a good scientist, he must have at least experimented with making the lozenges, even if he didn't ever have a plague patient to try them on. But yeah, so even the dude responsible for the theory of gravity fell victim to wild pseudo-medical claims. Granted, the field of epidemiology was much different back then, heavily based in alchemy and such, so he definitely has more of an excuse than anyone these days trying to claim that just gargling hot salt water or ingesting garlic or colloidal silver will get rid of the coronavirus. And I really hope it doesn't need to be said, but please don't try making toad vomit lozenges to cure COVID-19. Instead, why not get in on the frog bread trend that took over TikTok and Twitter last month? Don't worry, it is not about using frogs to make bread. It's just baking normal loaves that are shaped like frogs. The whole trend is totally pure and kind of funny and very delicious looking. Link to read more about that and get the recipe is in the show notes. We may someday have certain types of medicines deployed on synthetic red blood cells swimming through our capillaries. Researchers reporting in the American Chemical Society Nano have created these synthetic red blood cells in an effort to mimic the many favorable abilities of red blood cells and also endow them with new features. Quoting Science Daily, The researchers made the synthetic cells by first coating donated human red blood cells with a thin layer of silica. They layered positively and negatively charged polymers over the silica red blood cells and then etched away the silica producing flexible replicas. Finally, the team coated the surface of the replicas with natural red blood cell membranes. The artificial cells were similar in size, shape, charge, and surface proteins to natural cells, and they could squeeze through model capillaries without losing their shape. In mice, the synthetic red blood cells lasted for more than 48 hours with no observable toxicity. The researchers loaded the artificial cells with either hemoglobin, an anti-cancer drug, a toxin sensor, or magnetic nanoparticles to demonstrate that they could carry cargoes. 
The team also showed that the new red blood cells could act as decoys for a bacterial toxin. Future studies will explore the potential of the artificial cells in medical applications such as cancer therapy and toxin biosensing, the researchers say, end quote. This is the first study that has successfully been able to mimic all of the key features of red blood cells, so it is an incredible advancement, but of course, still very early days. And finally today, this is pretty cool, CNN is partnering with Sesame Street on a town hall this Saturday morning to talk to kids and families about, quote, racism, the recent nationwide protests, embracing diversity, and being more empathetic and understanding, end quote. It'll be hosted by Big Bird alongside CNN's Van Jones and Erica Hill. Other Sesame Street characters like Elmo, Abby Cadabby, and Rosita will be stopping by, as well as a few grown-up experts. This is the second town hall that Sesame Street has done in partnership with CNN. They hosted a coronavirus-focused one back in April, which you can watch in full for free on CNN's website if you missed it. I don't know, I just think it's really cool for a major news network to partner with Sesame Street to talk to kids about real issues. Nickelodeon, at least when I was growing up, used to do stuff like this, and I always really appreciated being brought into important conversations as a kid. So if you have kids, or honestly, even if you don't, because come on, you're never too old to learn lessons about kindness and empathy from Big Bird. So either way, you can tune in this Saturday the 6th at 10 a.m. Eastern on CNN. That is all for today. Quick apology to anyone looking for the show yesterday. Turns out we had a network-wide publishing issue that didn't get resolved until early this morning. That show is up now if you haven't listened yet, so you can go hear about how the pandemic has been affecting our sleep and tips for improving it and weird x-ray machines that shoe salesmen used to use in the 1930s. And also, one more note, the show does get published separately to YouTube every day, so hopefully there will not be an issue again. But if there ever is, or if you just prefer listening to podcasts on YouTube, you can always find the show on our Good News Ride Home YouTube channel, link in the show notes. I hope you all have a good rest of your day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.